welcome to Hear These Words, a podcast from Good Shepherd Episcopal Church in Tequesta, Florida. I'm Derek Larson, Associate Rector here at Good Shepherd. And I'm David Dixon, Director of Youth and Family Ministries. And we're joined today by Jim Couillard, a parishioner here at Good Shepherd, as well as the chair of the Good Shepherd Episcopal School Board. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh. Each week on the podcast, we discuss the passages of Scripture assigned for the upcoming Sunday. This week is the 20th Sunday after the Pentecost, October 23rd, 2022, which we only have four or five weeks until Advent, That's by right. the way. And this week, the words we hear are from the book of Sirach, chapter 35, verses 12 through 17, Psalm 84, verses 1 through 6, 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verses 6 through 8 and 16 through 18, and the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. All right. Here we are on another episode, and we've got Jim with us. We do. That's good to be here. It's good to have you here. You've been involved a lot, um, but you haven't been at Good Shepherd like for a long, long time, right? No. How long have you been at Good Shepherd? We've been here uh, for seven years. Seven years, okay. And so we came the year before Father Doug came, right. really, uh-huh. basically. Uh, I've been on the vestry. I've been uh, Good Shepherd School. It's part of my thing. I really enjoy doing that. And then along with that, on, my, on the outside, I do uh, Florida Trail Association. Nice. And Kairos Prison Ministry, which I really like. That's, great. That's a passion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so, I'd like to hear more about yeah, that. We've talked sometime. about it in passing, but yeah. I'd like to hear more about that. So you just jumped right in as soon as y'all got here. We and now came you're here. Like, uh, we interviewed with Bob Taylor to come to Good Shepherd, and uh, we said we weren't going to do anything. Jeannie and I, we had done everything in the past at our two yeah. previous churches. <laughs> we're going to come and lay back for a while. <laughs> and that's and, not and, what happened. And, yeah, and Kerry Robb was here. He asked me to be on the vestry, and I said, okay, one year. And I, <laughs> and I knew that was not going to be. And then when Father Doug came, it's history. You know? Right. It's really great. Exactly. Yeah, so. Well, I have been so grateful for your ministry and for Jeannie, your wife's ministry. Y'all are such a crucial part of the church. Do you have any favorite memories about your time here so far? Uh, Probably the the most, uh, when Father Doug came and he asked me to be his senior warden. This is a good one. And I said, hey, I've, I've only been here for a year. And he says, well, I've only been here for a month. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, I can't, I can't go back on that right. one. So he, he trapped me on that. So That's hilarious. That was a good memory. He's really good at recruiting yeah. people. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. Uh, today we're jumping in with these passages of Scripture. And uh, this first reading it can, might throw you for a loop a little bit because a lot of people... Uh, who is Sirach? What is Sirach? Um, sometimes it's called the book of Ecclesiasticus. Sometimes it's called the book of, of uh, Jesus, the son of Sirach or Jesus of Sirach. Right. But it's part of the Apocrypha. So um, the, way, the way the Apocrypha works is these are a collection of books from before Jesus in, in, in Jewish um, Hebrew times. But it's... Uh, they were not included in the Hebrew canon. Right. But from the earliest times in the church, the church has observed them and recognized them mm-hmm. as scripture. Um, sometimes a, a, a little bit of a separate scripture, mm-hmm. um, not quite on par with the other um, books of the Bible, but scripture nonetheless. And then when the Protestant Reformation happened, because these books were not um, included in the Hebrew 
Jewish canon, and mm-hmm. because they didn't have the same kind of status, the Protestants decided <clears throat> not to include them in their canon. Right. Uh, so the Catholics, the Greek Orthodox, um, a lot of other traditions, they still include these as their scripture. Um, Jews don't include it in their canon, but they do regard them as sacred texts about their history. Here in the Episcopal Church, as we do with often with, with lots of things, we found a middle way. Right. And if you look in the Anglican tradition, the 39 articles, um, history of the Anglican Church, it specifically says... Uh, these are the books of the Bible, and it lists the 66 that most Protestants mm-hmm. do. And then it lists the Apocrypha and says, and these are also good, <laughs> basically. Right. Uh, so we read from it, uh, but the tradition is we don't necessarily get our doctrine from it. But it's a good passage uh, this week, and, and it opens up with this line, Give to the Most High as he is given to you, and as generously as you can afford. And I thought we're in the middle of... A series on generosity, a sermon series in, in the middle of our giving campaign. You've got to be able to, to read that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You all have any thoughts on this passage? Well, first of all, as I mentioned to Father Derek, uh, when we got here, Syrac, I had never heard of Syrac. Right. <laughs> and I had to look it up and, and research and then found out it was Ecclesiasticus. So right. that was, but as far as the reading goes, I thought it led right into the generosity statement mm-hmm. of what we've been doing for, you know, for the stewardship for this year. Right. And even near the end, it talks about the widow <clears throat> and taking care of orphans again. Mm-hmm. And you've preached about that over the last week. I mean, I know, it, yeah. it hit right on the theme of what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was really good. And, and, and I wish that you know, here it goes through verse 17. I wish it had gone through verse 21. Uh, because it'll connect to our gospel reading for this week mm-hmm. as well yeah. as our gospel reading for last week. But verse 21 says, the prayer of the humble pierces the clouds mm. and it will not rest until it reaches its goal. It will not desist until the most high responds and does justice to the righteous and executes judgment. Right. And so here I just thought, wow, that line is perfect because yeah. it speaks to the humility in our gospel passage sure. for this week. And it speaks to the persistence of the widow as well as the justice given mm-hmm. from the gospel last week. Right. Um, but yeah. alas, we didn't get that. So maybe people, <laughs> people will want to read a little further and see what else is here in well, chapter 35. Right. Yeah. I do like um, how, of course, it is about giving and it makes a statement, don't offer him a bribe, right? He will not accept it. In other words, why are you giving, mm-hmm. right? What is the motivation behind our giving? Uh, new, new covenant giving is let everyone give according as they have purposed in their heart to give, not out of necessity, not grudgingly, but out of a cheerful heart. God loves a cheerful giver. So the way we give is just as important as what we give, mm-hmm. the motivation behind what we're giving. Are we giving to get? Mm-hmm. Or are we giving because we have a passion and a love for God mm-hmm. right. and God's good. people and the community? Yeah, that's really good. good. Well, how about the psalm? Our psalm this week is from eight, uh, Psalm 84, the first six verses which is a pretty famous passage. It it begins, How dear to me is your dwelling, O Lord of hosts. My soul has a desire and longing for the courts of the Lord. Mm. My heart and my flesh rejoice in the living God. And then it continues on to talk more about 
the temple, uh, about God's house, as they would call it. And verse 4 in particular says, Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose heart hearts are set on the pilgrim's way. Um, so this this is... <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're talking about we're the same all, yeah, words. We are marked the well, same section. I'll, I'll let, <laughs> yeah. So I'll let you say what you're going to say. The only thing that I was going to say <laughs> Sorry. is that this is considered a pilgrimage psalm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So all in the psalms, we have different kinds of psalms. And this is a psalm that would have been sung by Israelites um, once or twice a year whenever they made their pilgrimage mm-hmm. to Jerusalem right. to visit the temple. So this is what they would have been singing. What did you have to say about Well, that? as soon as I saw the word pilgrims, yeah. I thought the same thing. And I wrote on, just in my notes, pilgrimage in desolate places and, mm. and how moving that is for, for those that going through a, a valley, a desolate right. place. And that's what I thought about it. Right. So, yeah. Right. That there is something life-giving there. Uh-huh. Right. I mean, uh, you pass through, a, of course, Psalm 23, the valley of the shadow of okay. death. Right. I'll fear no evil. But it's in the valley, he continues, that your soul is restored. Mm-hmm. Right. It's Your soul's not restored on the mountaintop, which is what we always <laughs> want to get to. Right. Yeah. But your soul's restored in the valley. And I think it's in those... Low places, and you mentioned humility and the gospel passage, and I do think there's a connection there. But uh, this, as a psalm of pilgrimage, it really is a kind of song of ascension, right? You're going from a low place to a high place, Mm -hmm. but you should not uh, despise the low places in your life because there is something powerful that happens there. As much as we are ascending or, or looking to go up, to worship the Lord, which is a high mark in our faith journey. You always go up to the house of the Lord. You never go down to the house of the Lord. Hmm. Jeremiah says you go down to the potter's house where he remakes you, (laughs) but you go up to worship God. So there's throughout, I think, a lot of the Hebrew text, there is this kind of down and up, Hmm. down and up experience Mm -hmm. in our life and i think that really with all of the text we can see something of that kind of work taking place Mm -hmm. happening in the low places something happening in the high places yeah and it it does say at the very end climb from height to height right you can bring them back up Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i love that it has this double meaning because when i read it i'm thinking about it historically (laughs) and there are people that were singing this as they were foot by foot walking towards jerusalem Mm -hmm. but there's a a deep spiritual meaning there as well right we're not always we're not necessarily ourselves taking pilgrimages often to jerusalem anymore um but we still read this passage and recognize something of ourselves right we still recognize that we have these spiritual journeys in our yes. life um, and that we go, um, that, we're, that we're journeying towards um, meeting God and right. through desolate parts of our mm-hmm. lives and through the mountaintop. And of course, we have the labyrinth, with, which is a type of pil- experiencing yeah. the pilgrimage. And we have a procession every Sunday morning, which is a type of pilgrimage coming from outside and going up huh. to the altar mm-hmm. to worship God. So there, there's a pilgrimage, a sense of pilgrimage yeah. to a lot of things uh, with respect to our worship. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I think it would be really cool to take this psalm to our labyrinth here yeah. and, and sing it or pray it. It when, would be, when, actually. Uh, the, there's, a, there's a famous song, um, you probably know it, um, 
Better is a One Day. Yeah, right. Great um, song. <laughs> I, used, I used to sing that song. I loved that song growing up. Um, but uh, that could be a song that could be interesting yeah. in the pilgrimage. But Literally. better is one day in your courts, better is one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere, elsewhere. Uh, which is from this song. Right. Nice. Well, Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, <clears throat> verses 16 through 18. So there's a little bit of a gap there. And this is our last week in Timothy. We've been going through 1 Timothy and then 2 Timothy. And now this is the very end of, of Paul's letter to Timothy. And uh, he, he is seemingly writing this from prison. And things don't look good for him. <laughs> they um, do not, right? You know, and so, so we see this in this passage. He's saying, the time of departure has right. come. Uh, and I fought the good fight. I finished the race. So he's looking back on on his ministry, sure. uh, on his life. Um, yeah, it, it's you know, I had problems with that opening paragraph because <laughs> it seems like he's doing what the Pharisee is right. doing in right. Luke, of yeah, course, that we're going to get to. Yeah, right. And so when I read that, I went, "Gee, he's really uh, putting himself up on a pedestal, but he's right. really not doing that." I understand that after. I mean, at my defense, you know, no one came to help me. Right. I'm here by myself. I'm deserted. You, you, exactly. <laughs> and you know, when I read this, and of course, as you say, he's writing this from, uh, you know, what, 10 feet below the forum in, in, in Rome, in yeah. a Rome yeah. prison, right? And uh, supposedly. And um, he's saying, I am ready. To, it's like, who's he trying to convince? <laughs> Right, exactly. he's talking to himself. Yeah. Really, I mean, it's not—it's not so much that he's trying to put his pedigree out there for the world to see. He's really having to stir up his own self to uh, what you know, encourage himself in the Lord. Mm -hmm. I have poured my—I have done this. Mm -hmm. I know that I have been faithful to God. Mm -hmm. I know that I have experienced this life in a way that has experienced good times and bad times. And I say this so that uh, I can give glory to God, mm -hmm. not of not of myself. And one, one thing that I thought that was really unique here, well, unique to Paul, perhaps maybe in some ways, uh, everyone left me. I was deserted. I pray it's not held against them. Right, this idea of forgiveness uh, of this you do you deserve forgiveness well I don't know but I'm praying that it's not being held against you for all the things because he looks at his own life who was Paul before Paul yeah he was Saul right and um, he was at the stoning of Stephen and so he the garments of Stephen are laid at his feet and then he has this experience where he is transitioned and uh, he changes the entire course of his life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Paul does come off as pompous. He does. Um, not just and in an, and an opportunist, no, but, but and an opportunist places. at times. <laughs> but but the context really is everything, right? He's right. he's not um, preaching, um, you know, the prosperity gospel where where he he's got a beautiful house and and I guess they didn't have cars, but like the best horse out there or whatever right. it is, you know, he's saying these things, um, from a prison cell. He's saying these things, um, from a place of real humility. So, 
even when his words um, sound boastful, yeah. his context, his posture is humble. Right. And, and, and so Paul is an example of finding, um, finding something to praise God for or finding pride even in humility mm. and not in right. where you would not where you would normally expect it and even here you know he begins and makes clear and says that you know my my time is coming it's not looking good uh, but then at the end he says the lord will rescue me from every evil attack and save me for his heavenly kingdom mm -hmm. and so it's clear that for paul rescuing isn't necessarily about having all of your your physical um, circumstances um, go the way you want right. them to, but rescuing means uh, staying committed to the path of Christ, staying mm -hmm. committed to the kingdom of God, and that's what God has rescued Paul from. Right. Is the temptation to fall away right. from that work of of the kingdom? Yeah, I also like that this passage. It. it, it uh, there's two paragraphs here and it cut out a middle section mm -hmm. and I understand why they cut out the middle section because it's it's a little bit mundane but it also shows you how human Paul was in that context was so if you go and read it um, one of the things he says oh and Timothy by the way could you bring me the coat that I left right I, I forgot it and I, that would and, and, and also some manuscripts the parchments the parch yes. parchments which, which is funny you don't right. see that side but you know this isn't we read this as sacred scripture sure. but originally this was a letter right. mm -hmm. from one person yep. to another person. Mm -hmm. And those little glimpses, if you go in and read the, that section we skip, verses 9 through 15, that's little glimpses into the humanity mm -hmm. of the folks we're reading about. Right, right. Uh, Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Last week we were also in the, uh, in, the ch in chapter 18 of the Gospel of Luke, and we heard Jesus tell a parable about the the persistent widow who who showed strength and trust in her seeking for justice and this week we get another parable from jesus about two men a pharisee who's standing by himself and praying god i thank you i'm not like other people thieves <laughs> rogues adulterers even like this tax collector over here i do this and i do that i give a tenth of all my income so there's that uh thing about giving as right. well but then the, the tax collector standing far off wouldn't even look up to heaven and was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then Jesus concludes the teaching by saying, all who exalt themselves will be humbled and all who humble themselves will be exalted. What are y'all thoughts about this passage? I'll go to you. <laughs> well, I mean, parables are funny things, right? There's a trap somewhere in there. And I think if we come at this parable with the idea of um, trying to locate ourselves uh, into one of these two persons, mm -hmm. we fall into the trap. Because if we say, well, I'm, you know what? I'm so glad I'm not like the Pharisee. <laughs> right? Well, by saying that, I'm like the Pharisee, yeah. right? Yeah. So we try, we, when we come at it and we look at it like that, we fall into a trap. When the reality is this parable is not about us. Neither is it about the Pharisee and the tax collector. This parable ultimately, at least in my assessment, is about the mercy of God and the grace of God and God justifying 
this statement, uh, the tax collector, he went home justified. The Pharisee really did all the things that the Pharisee said. And he went home righteous. With the same righteousness he came there in, he went home with it. The tax collector went home justified. May not have gone home with his own righteousness, because he didn't say, I'm changing my ways. He just said, I'm doing this stuff. (laughs) He did go home justified, and it's an imputed righteousness. It is a righteousness that is not a product of anything you do or anything I can do or any statement of repentance that we can have. It is a righteousness that is imputed or given or accredited to you by the grace and the mercy of a God who is righteous. Even the mediator of the law of Moses, Moses himself, is not righteous. There is none righteous, no, not one. He couldn't even enter into the promised land, right? Because he broke all 10 commandments at one time. (laughs) So this is not about what I can do to attain something. This is about casting myself on the mercy and the grace of God and (laughs) really being able to wrestle with or accept or consider that God's grace and mercy and forgiveness is given to people that I may not even like and don't want to have that, Mm -hmm. who I think are undeserving of it, Mm. but God still forgives. Mm -hmm. God still has imputed righteousness Mm -hmm. to them. And I think that's, that's part of the power. I know there's more to it than that, but for me, that's what shines. Uh, in this parable is not trying to position myself in one or the other because the reality is we've been both right Mm -hmm. yeah the reality is but the power of it is what does God say about me at the end of the day you know when Moses was in the wilderness he sees the his calling the burning bush and the voice says take the shoes off your feet because you're standing on holy ground now when you think about that If he picked up a handful of holy ground and then walked a mile the other way and picked up another handful, what would be the difference between the two? Nothing. The only difference, I mean, they are composed the same. The only difference is what God said about one. Mm -hmm. And God said, this one is holy, even though it doesn't look any different. And this is what's going on here. God says, justified. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really good. Um, I don't want to say too much because I'm going to give away my sermon. But what I see in this passage is um, is the the tax collector. God is looking at the tax collector and not praising him for his masochism mm-hmm. him, him being hard on, on himself right. beating his breast and saying I'm worth nothing that's not necessarily helpful right I what I see is that he's praising him for his honesty mm. for his authenticity right and for his vulnerability yeah because we all have insecurities we all have um, weaknesses we all have vulnerabilities, mm-hmm. but we want to hide them. Sure. And we cover them up with other things and say, well, mm-hmm. look at how good I am yeah. at this or yeah. look at how good I am with that. And the, and the Pharisee in this passage, it's not that he doesn't have weaknesses and vulnerabilities. Right. It's that he's not acknowledging them. Right. And, and, and he's like, look at me. I'm mm-hmm. great. When in reality... 
He might have his life together in certain ways, but in other ways, right. he certainly has those vulnerabilities. So for me, this passage is highlighting that the tax collector is willing to be honest mm -hmm. about his vulnerabilities. Right. And in his honesty, in his generously uh, leaving everything bare before God, then God can mm -hmm. justify him. God right. can lift him up. And that's that, what's important about this last passage to me is that um, the tax collector is lifted up. He's not left down in right. the dust. Right. So it's not necessarily the posture of, of you know, smearing dirt on your face mm -hmm. and saying, woe is me. Um, it's being honest with yourself yeah. because we always feel that way. Right. And then when we're honest with God, honest with ourselves, and put that out there, then what happens? God lifts us up. Sure. But God can yeah. only lift us up if we acknowledge where yeah. we are. That's right. Which is that yeah. vulnerable place. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. For sure. Do you have anything to add on this one? No, that's that's good. I won't get into your <laughs> I don't want to get into your sermon. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I appreciate that. And uh, but nice. but but everyone can tune in on Sunday. Yes. I didn't preach yes. the whole thing. Right. So I, I know, no excuses about not Absolutely. coming to church. Well, I think we have run out of time for today. That's a great place to stop. If you enjoyed this podcast as much as we did, then be sure to subscribe so that you'll never miss an episode and be sure to share with your friends. You can also rate the show and leave us a review to help others find us. Thank you so much, Jim, yeah. for joining us. Thank you for Absolutely. having me. It was Enjoyed great it. to have you. And thank all of you for, for joining us in this great discussion. And we hope that you feel a little bit better prepared for worship this coming Sunday as we get ready to hear these words. Until next time, we'll see you. Bye. Bye. Bye.